So first of all, to feed the world, obviously if we cut out that huge food waste component, we're taking a giant step towards actually feeding the planet. Um, but secondly, it's actually more about looking at our agricultural system as to how it can feed the planet from a fertility point of view. I always use the example of the Nisner forest. No one goes in there and uh, drops off a whole load of fertilizer every year in order to make those trees grow. It's a natural cycle. In South Africa, one of the most unequal countries in the world, about a quarter of the population go to bed hungry every day. So food security is a real issue. And one of the best ways to address this is through proper food waste management. To give us some more detail around better waste management and the impact it can have, I'm joined today on Focus Radio by Wayne Harper, founder and MD of Urban Farms Recycling. Hello Wayne, thanks for joining us. Hello Caroline, good to be here. So when we talk about food waste, what exactly are we referring to? Essentially food waste is defined as the waste produced in the entire food production system. So it includes food wasted at the farm, in processing and packaging, during distribution, retail, and then finally, I guess the real waste at a consumer and kitchen level. So what foods are wasted the most? So about 50% is wasted at a farm level. And if you're looking at that, it's mainly fruit, veg and grains that are, are the highest amount of waste. Why is it so high in the agricultural area? So it's often to do with out of spec, overripe, oversize, anything that doesn't fit into the retailer's basket of goods that they're wanting uh, will be disposed of at the farm. Uh, mainly due to pricing, the farmers don't get offered a good enough price to be it worth transporting that food off the farm, so it's better to be just left. These so-called ugly bananas, how are they disposed of? Well, they're often used to just compost on the farm, but that's obviously one of the opportunities that exists is having a look at this ugly fruit and veg and seeing what we can do with it, because it is still 100% nutritious, good food. It just doesn't look like the perfect tomato uh, that the consumer is expecting at a, okay. at a retail store. And you said about 50% of all the food wasted happens on farms, but how much food is wasted overall in South Africa? So in South Africa we're looking at around 10 million tonnes of the 31 million tonnes produced annually. So that's the equivalent of 1,650 elephants worth of food a year. But that just seems insane when you think about how many people are actually starving what is the best way to redirect all that food waste to those that need it? It's taking a business opportunity and connecting it with the farmer. So ultimately the farmer, there needs to be an incentive for that food to actually go into a system uh, to become food for a population. Um, we do see that internationally the, the, the wastes on a farm are higher in first world countries due to more picky consumers and also another thing in that is also distance to market so in first world countries often there's a big difference between where the farm is and where the consumer sits so there's a lot of wastage just built into that system there's obviously opportunities uh, in south africa we certainly have not only hunger issues but we also have hidden hunger issues or malnutrition so a lot of our population first of all go hungry because they don't have access to food mm. and secondly they effectively may be getting food in, but is it nutritionally um, good for them? And that has far-reaching consequences in terms of mental development, physical development. To what extent does, does urban farms recycling get involved? And who are your main stakeholders? And tell me a bit about your business. 
So effectively, when we're looking at food waste, um, it's best to go back to, to what a natural system is because many people have lost contact with how nature even works. Um, and industrial agriculture is, has all been about fertilizer, big monocrops. That's not how nature really works. And there's this misconception that if you don't fertilize, you aren't able to produce en masse, uh, get the product productivity up that is needed to feed the world. So first of all, to feed the world, obviously if we cut out that huge food waste component, we're taking a giant step towards actually feeding the planet. Um, but secondly, it's actually more about looking at our agricultural system as to how it can feed the planet from a fertility point of view. I always use the example of the Nisner forest. No one goes in there and uh, drops off a whole load of fertilizer every year in order to make those trees grow. It's a natural um, cycle. So that's really where urban farms comes in, is we're looking at returning food waste. So, and we're looking specifically at what I would call genuine waste. So that is food that is uneaten off a plate or preparation waste. So uh, scraps, cuttings, peels, all of that. That's, that's genuine waste. But it's not wasted if we look at the system holistically. That needs to be returned to the earth. If you're looking at a plant growing, it's taking nutrients up from a healthy living soil so that the nutrients lie in the soil. There's millions of microorganisms and critters that live in there that allow natural sources of minerals and nutrients to be absorbed. The plant then takes it up. We then eat the fruit or the leaves of that plant. But effectively, all that nutrient that we don't use should be returned to the earth. There's a growing um, knowledge and, and theory around you can produce a very robust system by almost feeding the waste of your plant back to the soil and you're closing that production loop. So let's take it back to something we can all kind of relate to. My husband and I are quite big foodies, so we are quite particular with the type of ingredients that we want to buy and the type of ingredients we want to use. And invariably, when it, especially when it comes to things like herbs, invariably we throw that away. What, what, what should we be doing and what, sh what sort of a system should we invest in so that we can become part of this recycling solution? So first of all, we're talking about bad produce. So let's, let's address the sell-by date, um, which is often on packaging. Sell-by date is for retailers, okay? It's a legal requirement for retailers to have that on there. And effectively, sell-by date still leaves a third of the life of that produce for you at home. So it's sell-in-the-shop date. So that's pretty much the rule of thumb is to you can apply another third onto that as I mean it's good. Some products have use by date. That's a more accurate representation when the producer is thinking this is no longer going to be the quality. It, it may not be unsafe. It shouldn't be unsafe, but it may not be the same quality as we put it in the container with. Uh, when it comes to your basil, fruit and veg, the best is your own judgment. Uh, you know what not so nice basil looks like. So if it's got to that point, then it should be composted. Then in my mind, you're not producing waste. As long as you're not throwing it in the bin and it's not going to landfill, you're not producing waste. It can be used to regrow basil. The best would obviously be to have basil growing in your garden and pick it as and when you require it. So for an organization, large corporates like, like Investec, for example, who you do partner with to help us with our recycling, what is the process? So we order something at the, at the restaurant, the meal is not finished completely and it gets taken away and then what happens? So effectively, it all starts with a, a source separation system that we've put into your kitchen. So when that waste comes back, the organic material, organic food waste is separated and kept separate 
things like cutlery obviously go into the pot wash and serviettes go into another waste stream. That, together with the prep waste that's obviously generated in the kitchen, uh, then goes down into your waste area. And what happens there is that food waste is treated uh, with something called bokashi, which is uh, an effective microorganism that stabilizes the waste. So importantly with food waste, it's obviously volatile. So given a couple of days, it will start going uh, fraught, rancid, rotten, mm. attract pests, mm. produce odor, mm. which is obviously what we don't want to do because a, a vital component of our business is obviously controlling our entire carbon footprint. So the amount of times we collect, all of that. So, so Bokashi plays an important role in stabilizing food. And secondly, it also allows us to uh, recycle things like meat products, poultry, fish, not just vegetable um, scrap. Bokashi sounds so much like kimchi. Am I wrong? <laughs> it, it, it effectively is. It, it basically mimics the bacteria in your stomach right. and ferments, ferments the food waste. So it is very much, it, it's Japanese for fermented food waste. So those clever people came up with it. Okay. So from there, we obviously then collect that food waste. It comes back to our farm in Modifontein, which is effectively a composting facility plus a big worm farm. So first of all, that food waste is mixed with other organic um, wastes, mainly carbon source, because we need that to do the first phase of our composting. That composting is pretty much normal composting, where we're trying to get it up to a certain temperature to kill off any pathogens, any seed germination in our end product. So that's first phase, and that's about two months worth of processing. And how big is this massive recycling plant in Mordefontein? We've got about a thousand square meters of worm farm, and then about uh, two thousand or three thousand squares outside where we do the composting. So this process of you know, recycling and decomposing, what have you, what is the volume that you put in and what is the volume that you get out? Look, we get everything that we put in out, but over, over an extended period of time. But effectively, we work off about a rule of thirds. Um, so even in the composting process, what we put in, we'll get a third out. But the worms will eat eventually everything. It's just a matter of time. So we're sort of forcing a time scale on them rather than letting them do their, their thing. And obviously this must offset CO2 emissions hugely, which is obviously beneficial for the planet, beneficial for, also beneficial for Investec as a corporate. We obviously have to adhere to certain rules. Could you expand on that a bit? This is really all about reducing the amount going to landfills. Landfills are environmentally expensive areas, even though they may not be financially expensive, which is probably one of the big problems we've got in the industry is it's, it's too cheap to just dispose of waste. So if you're looking directly at food waste, food waste is quite a big carbon emitter because when food waste rots, it gives off a lot of methane. So if we're looking at what is saved, it's 435 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per tonne of food waste recycled. So wow. effectively for every tonne of food waste you're saving 435 kilograms of CO2. Uh, so it is quite a significant. Uh, a lot of other wastes are, are way lower on the CO2 uh, emissions level. Do all corporates have to abide by a certain CO2 emission reduction? No, it's, it's very much with a, in the corporates at the moment is sitting more in their sustainability space rather than a legislative framework from, from government from a waste perspective. Waste is being looked at uh, as from a government perspective of, of what can be done. That's largely driven by the fact that our landfills are getting full. How much time do we have before all landfills are full? 
Well, they're talking about having a 2020 ban in Gauteng of any organic waste going to landfill, which is a good target. It's not long ago, but whether that will actually be come to fruition is another, another story. I don't think there's the plans in place of actually how to implement that. But yeah, there's not a lot. Between 10 and 15 years of landfill space if we carry on as we're going. So that's not long. And the cost of establishing new landfills is very expensive. And a landfill doesn't uh, discriminate in terms of what you can dump in it, correct? I mean, I know there's obviously there's specialized places to dump things like medical waste and specialized places to dump um, electronics and stuff. But where we find the food waste, is that just literally just yeah. food and organic matter? Well, unfortunately, we dump 90% of our waste. So South Africans recycle about 10% of all the waste. So that's a ridiculously no low number. And how does that compare you know, to global standards? If you look at Scandinavian countries, they import waste because they've, they've got waste to energy plants and their systems are so effective that they run out of waste. But if we look at our corporate partners, it's quite possible to get to 20% comfortably that is going to landfill and then obviously harder to get to the 10% and eventually a zero waste to landfill, which is, is a target from a lot of corporate sustainability perspectives. Uh, that's definitely what the target is. Sorry, so say that again. So you were saying that South Africans, they only recycle 10%. Correct. And you want us to get to 90%. 90% is quite achievable. Like nationwide or just through private corporates? Well, if you do the right things, nationwide. I think the fundamental is, in a corporate situation, it's probably easier to implement, but it's about separating wastes at source. So in a, in, a, in a general corporate where we're talking about food waste and containers and water bottles people are using, that can be done. The important thing is to actually separate those streams out. The real opportunities here come when we talk about a circular economy, where one person's waste becomes an input for another industry and really closing that cycle. And if we separate wastes, that can be achievable. And that's really the key. So I think it comes down to Scandinavian countries, you, you have to put these items in specific bins, and if you don't do it, you will be fined. So it comes down to the house, and then it makes everything easy. Just imagine you throw everything into one bin, and now you expect someone to come and recycle that. First of all, you're gonna get contamination. When you put your food waste in there, it's gonna contaminate paper that could have been recycled to now no longer being able to be recycled. Plus, you're now expecting someone to physically sort, sort through, through that, yeah. which is a horrible job. Mm. And that horrible job often ends up just getting being ignored and going to landfill. So the 10% that's being achieved is probably due to people rummaging around in bins in South Africa. That's wow. the scary thing. Because I don't really feel like recycling has ever been hugely prioritized. It certainly it doesn't seem that like there's been enough emphasis put out there. Certainly not from a government perspective or even from a sort of suburb association perspective? I think it's got a lot to do with legislation and enforcement. If you don't have the right laws in place and you don't enforce them, then nothing's going to happen. I do think there's some structural things within the actual collection systems of our, of our municipalities that are fundamentally flawed. Um, they talk sustainability normally just in the branding of their vehicles and that's about it. And it's a missed opportunity because there's value in waste. So maybe that dovetails quite nicely into my next question about there's obviously a massive economic impact um, if one was to properly handle um, food waste, waste at large, I suppose. Um, could you sort of give us an idea of how much this waste costs South Africa? 
we're looking at a figure of 10 billion rand in terms of food waste. That's the financial cost. There's obviously, if you consider that 50% of what is produced at the farm level is wasted, then you're wasting 50% of the farmer's effort to produce that. You're wasting 50% of the water. So South Africa uses about 40% of its water for agriculture. So that's a fifth of the water. It's one and a half trillion liters of water or 600,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools of fresh water that we can ill afford to throw away, throw away is wasted on food production. Yeah, and then there's obviously there's a, an estimated billion rand worth of energy that goes into that wasted food waste and it combined four tons of CO2 emissions that is generated by effectively that farming practice that is never ever going to reach a mouth. So how do you get involved with farmers then? Do you get involved in that segment of the chain? I think that's the big opportunity, uh, especially if we, if we look at the circular economy being a paradigm shift. And it's happening in other places in the world. Uh, there's a movement called the Ugly Fruit and Veg Movement, which is literally a social media movement uh, that is starting to have an impact. Uh, international retailers are actually starting to have ugly fruit and veg sections uh, in their store where consumers can choose. And I think that's a, that's a vital aspect of this, is actual consumer behavior. Are those ugly fruits sold at a discount or at the same rate? They would be sold at a discount, but a, a realistic price to the farmer, because yes. effectively it's got yes. exactly the same nutrient profile, it's just not as pretty or as straight. What they should do is they should do like a little test where they get customers to blindfold themselves and then feed themselves an ugly tomato versus a perfect looking one and yeah. realistically see if they can taste the difference. Look, I think one of the fundamental things when it, we look at consumer or business behavior is actually getting closer to supply. So the question of how do you reduce food waste? Well, the first thing is change your buying. Buy locally, buy from farmers that you know or retailers that are close to the farmers. And also buying seasonally is, is, is incredibly important. That's a whole nother story if we bring in the air miles associated yes. with food. Yes. And obviously because of air miles and long transit routes, then the waste just increases. So the closer we can get to where the food comes from, one, the nutrition is, is higher because it was picked more recently. And two, you're cutting out all those, that unnecessary waste and unnecessary carbon footprint of moving food around. Are there any opportunities to produce more kits that people can take home themselves? And are you in that business at all? Home Bokashi uh, kits, easy to use, simple to use. Uh, the problem w with them always lies with where do I put it afterwards. So that's the only caveat. It either needs to go into compost, a separate compost system at your house, or alternatively the best way and actually the simplest way is for it to be buried in the garden. That will over time fertilize the area where, where it's put in. So Bokashi is an anaerobic system. So at the end of the process, the food waste actually looks pretty much like the day you put it in because it doesn't rot, right? So it's not going brown and green and all sorts of funny colors. But the issue is that the, those bacteria have now colonized and, and have broken down the cell structure. When you put it into soil, all those microorganisms come and have a field day of breaking it down. And how much are one of these little systems? I would say I mean, how, how big are they and how much are they? So they're generally based on a 20 or 25 liter bucket. For a household, you normally have two of them because they you need to leave it to ferment. Uh, so it needs to sit there for two weeks before you can use it. So it depends on your household, but normally a, two buckets would work for a house. So one's fermenting, one's getting filled up, and then it goes into your garden or compost heap. And do, they, um, do you work with any like complexes that where, you know, they don't have enough 
garden space or area to, to sustain this, but the complex might? The issue with that, again, it comes back to legislation. So um, government are very reluctant to give away the um, fees that they charge for refuse removal. Mm. So there's work being done around complexes and especially bigger estates where they want to say, you don't need to service us, we'll do it ourselves, especially bigger estates that now have landscaping. Yes. They're seeing the value in, in what could be produced and cut down the cost. So that's, that would be the simplest legislation change and things would change very fast uh, from there. But while you're still getting charged for a service that you're not using, people are reluctant and budgets are tight, so that's a big hurdle. And how urgent is this need for us to all become food waste warriors? No, I think it's pretty urgent. I mean, obviously, from a social perspective, just having people that are hungry and waste just seems imbalanced. Ridiculous, exactly. It's actually criminal. So that needs to, that needs to change. So that's one area. The second area is all the wasted resources that are going into producing something that never goes to, to feed someone. And then, I guess on a more fundamental level in a climate change perspective, the whole food system gets, in my opinion, a bit of a bad rap because it's seen as quite a an environmental monster. So if we had a look at food waste, if it was a country, it would be the third biggest carbon emitter behind the USA and China. So it's a significant problem. So obviously eliminating the waste largely eliminates that problem. But I think also to, to look at our agricultural systems and to, to look at more regenerative systems. Okay, well, Wayne, thank you very much. That was incredibly insightful. You've given us a lot to think about. Good luck with your mission to recycle, and uh, I hope you go from strength to strength. There's definitely a need for this. Good. Well, we hope to get more people on board, and that's the key. So uh, that was uh, Wayne Harper, founder and MD of Urban Farms Recycling. Please remember to subscribe to Focus Radio wherever you get your podcasts. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.